You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners. Happy holidays. And this is the last Earth Station One. That's right, folks. It is the final episode of Earth Station One. Of 2020, that is. <laughs> Thank God. You know, as Judy would say, what are you doing with your Monday nights now? You know, she she actually likes it. This is her time to go do whatever she does and everything. So we are here and we have a great episode for you guys tonight. We are talking all about Wonder Woman 84, a brand new movie that actually came out to the theaters. But I'm not sure if any of us saw it at the theaters. I know a lot of us actually watched it on HBO Max. So it'll be very interesting to hear what everyone did with this one and what we talked about it. And this man who is joining me was around in 1984, and he probably wore some of these fashions that we got to see in this movie at the time. Let's say hey to Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. Well, were you? Well, I'm here in my satin tights, fighting for well, your rights, and the good old red, white, and blue. I didn't need to get that picture of you in satin tights. Nope, well, you nope, asked nope. about my fashion. so I would have preferred to see you in that pirate costume more they, than... They are parachute. Yes, I, I would fully expect that. Satin parachute pants. Oh, that is a picture right there. That is a picture right there. And, of course, they're short shorts because everything was short short back then. So so it should be interesting to do. But we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Please write us at feedback at earthstation1.com. We definitely would love to hear what you guys have to say about the movie, what you guys have been celebrating the holidays with. How was your Christmas? How was your Hanukkah? We didn't even really ask that last week. And, you know, what do you guys have planned for New Year's? I'm going to be very curious to see. I think we might ask that at the end of the show for the panelists just to see what we everybody has planned and everything. So it should be kind of fun. So we got a great show ahead of us and definitely would love to hear from you guys. Please, if you have not subscribed to the show, please subscribe to us. We are up on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, yes, and I'm not even going to say the Alexa word. Nope, I'm not going to do that to you. That's my New Year's resolution. I am not going to do that. So hopefully we'll see how long it takes for me to break that one. But we are everywhere where you could find fine podcasts. And Earth Station One would definitely appreciate it if you, that's right, yes, you, could you know tell your friends about us. Subscribe to our shows. If you guys haven't yet, please rate us. Please give us five stars if you enjoy the show we would really appreciate it you know it's you know we don't beg for much on the show sometimes we do but this week we're only going to beg a little bit but definitely check us out we would definitely love you guys to do, leave feedback and rate us that's you know how other people find us also so that would be great also big shout out and thank you for our patrons you guys have been through the year with us and we've been giving you guys some great bonus episodes up there of the Flopcast, of Earth Station DCU, of Thunder Talk, 
The ESO Network Board Silly is up there now. You can also, you know, have our shows up there in advance before the rest of the world. You can get Earth Station One, Earth Station Who, and the Dragon Con Report, which is coming back next month already. Can you believe that one, Mikey? I am just shocked. So it's just it's just awesome that we got, you know, all this stuff coming, you know, for our patrons. And as little as a dollar a month, yes, you too can be entertained with exclusive material. And if the more you, you give and help us survive, because podcasting ain't cheap, folks, and ESO Network definitely could use some help. I could tell you that personally. I know. So definitely check out patreon.com slash ESO Network. Help your network out. Help your favorite podcasts out. It would really be appreciated. Also, a big shout-out and a holiday thank you to our friends over at Tifosi Optics. Tifosi, your place for sunglasses. You want to roll in 2021 with a bright outlook on life and a sunny disposition? Why not come in with some new sunglasses? That's right. You could check out Tifosi Optics. And if you put in ESO Network in the coupon code, you can get 10% off your order. So that means 10% off sunglasses, gamer glasses, or even safety glasses. Tifosi Optics, you can even custom make it there. Just go to tifosioptics.com and say ESO Network and Earth Station One has sent you. We'd really appreciate it. And now we're here with artist extraordinaire Oscar Ramo. Welcome to Earth Station One. Hey, everyone. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to have you. Welcome to the station. Thank you. Uh, for those people who may not be familiar with you and your work, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do. Okay. Well, I'm Oscar Ramo, or Ossie Ramo, writer of Divine Feather, a series I just launched on Kickstarter. Currently, we are at 92% funded, and the campaign ends January 7. Oh, wow. So it's coming up. Yes. Excellent. Well, congratulations on, uh, you know, the support you've received so far. Um, it looks like a great project. Tell us a little bit about uh, Divine Feather. Absolutely. Uh, well, the series is a Mexican mythology story about the importance of family and the cycle of life and death. It follows Anna, an archaeologist, through her life. We will learn her connection with the gods. Uh, why is she so special? Uh, since she was a kid, she has lost many people. And for some reason, she can see that. Uh, this is not a spoiler. <laughs> I hate spoilers. But uh, <laughs> she can even interact with that. Uh, and that seems to know her for a reason. Uh, why does this happen? Uh, we will find out together. Uh, the series begins in 1947 and takes us to, to the 2000s. The present in the series. Anna is 53. She's a grown woman. And we will see very... Important moments in Mexican history, like uh, 1968 student massacre, um, uh, 1985 earthquake, uh, many different moments. That's that's awesome. It is great that it's uh, very cultural. Um, so um, now you know I'm familiar with. I mean, you hit my my uh, sweet spot when you talk about mythology because I I grew up loving Greek Roman mythology, Norse mythology. Uh, you know, a little bit later, we're going to be talking about the Wonder Woman movie, which uses all sorts of mythology. Um, a while back, I got really interested in American Indian mythology. Uh, but I must admit, I'm not really that uh, familiar with Mexican mythology. Tell us a little bit about your interest in that and how it came about. Well, I'm glad. I, 
I agree with you. There's not many stories about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, so, so good for you. You're tapping into been... a, a market with un, uh, untapped potential already. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And, and it's, it's very grounded. It's sort of like a Thor Wonder Woman meets Indiana Jones Tomb Raider. It looks, uh, I mean, the art looks beautiful on this. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it looks really stylized um, and very, um, if I dare may say, like what we sort of associate with sort of Mexican art, you know, like uh, especially with, um, oh, uh, um, uh, you know, like the Pixar movie that came out uh, with the. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, it it's kind beautiful. of beautiful. Yeah, it's yes, kind of absolutely got the, that really sensibility about it. So I love it. Now, now, how long have you been interested in comics and storytelling through comics? For all my life, uh, since I was eight years old, uh, my mom and my aunts, my dad bought me comics, and yeah, since forever I've been reading. Yeah, interestingly, my first the things the first thing I wrote and uh, it's a crossover between Harry Potter and Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> and since then I I've, I've been involved with with stories. And and have you done uh any comics before prior to this? This is my first one. Your first one. Yes. Oh man, that's a good feeling. That's very a good exciting, feeling. Yes. Yeah, very exciting. Um now like I said, congratulations on on making it so far with the looks like I mean you're reaching you're about to reach your goal, which is amazing. And like I like to tell people when they listen to this show, if you check out the 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 Kickstarter and the goal has been quote unquote met, that doesn't mean, oh, I don't need to support them because you know, if you want to get this book. Right. So you want to get this and you want to support because the, the usually the amount that you ask for is just the basic. Right. So any support that people can give is welcome. You can go above and beyond. Uh, and we like to encourage that among our listeners as well. Uh, most of our listeners already know that. And we have a pretty good track record. I, I do appreciate all the listeners who in the past have have donated to Kickstarter accounts and supporting, especially when it comes to supporting independent comic people, because that's near and dear to my heart. So, Absolutely. Um, so um, it's Divine Feather number one, and it's going to be one of four. So do you foresee, obviously, you know, uh, coming right out of the gate here, getting this one done and then going right to work on uh, the second issue? Absolutely. Yeah, I want it to be an ongoing series, but um, let's go slow and see where this takes us. Awesome. Awesome. Also, but I actually, go ahead. I have a promotion for your listeners. If you uh -huh. get this special package, um, it's actually 15 US dollars. And send me a message that you come from the podcast and I will give you extra trading cards, extra postals and extra art prints. Oh, awesome. Very cool. Well, yeah, definitely mention that you, yeah, send a, a personal message to Oscar saying that you heard the interview uh, on, uh, you know, he's got a, there's got to be some compensation for going through the trauma of the geek seat, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited to meet people. I mean, I, I have something for everyone here. Which also I want to, uh, the last thing I want to make people be sure of it and definitely check out the Kickstarter because man, the artwork on this is beautiful. Uh, this project looks great. Um, and I also uh, would remind people, especially if you're uh, listening from America, 
the the dollar signs are in Mexican currency, which is a lot different than United States currency. Don't so don't get me thrown off by like, oh my God, how much do they want? No, no. If you trans <laughs> if you transfer it, it's really, really, really affordable. Thank you. Yes, that's that's extremely good point. And is there like would there be extra postage and handling for you know coming like for another from Mexico? Uh, well, we are sending the comics to the US. Okay. And then the shipping is going to be from the inside the US. It's not, I don't think it's going to be very expensive. Awesome. Awesome. Smart. That's very smart. Good, good, good to know. All right. So, so it shouldn't cost folks any additional uh, fees there. So, Absolutely. so yeah, no excuses, people. Um, check this out and uh, lend your support. Cause like I said, it looks, it looks gorgeous. And uh, thank, uh, you. I, thank I, you so much. And uh, and now that we've buttered him up, Mike, I think uh, I think he's he's ready for the, the the torture to begin. Well, he's all smiles. I'm not 100 <laughs> percent sure, you know, how this is going to work, you know, you know. But then again, he is a comic creator, so that means nerves of steel right there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Sure. Exactly. So I think you know, late night drawing and writing out stories and everything, the geek seat. We'll scare him. It'll put terror into his face. But <laughs> I think he might pull it through. I think so. I, I hope so. Tears, maybe. But, you know, I'm trying to gauge <laughs> this one. So. Let me see. <laughs> All right, Oscar, are you ready for your first question, my friend? Absolutely. I'm ready. Okay. What was your favorite geek out moment? Oof. Um, I geek out so easily and can't stop talking about it. So cut me off when you feel it. But uh, probably my favorite geek out moment was uh, my first convention where I met Dan Slot. Uh, I didn't know much about conventions, but uh, I didn't care about buying comics, uh, panels. Uh, I had to meet Dan Slot. Uh, it was the only day he was going to be there. So the entire day I was in the line. And when it was the moment, literally my legs were shaking. <laughs> I had some, yes, I had so much to say. I, I just froze. Um, it was cool. Anyways, we we uh, talk a little, and um, at the moment of the picture, the picture came out so blurry, and it was Aww. mostly our legs and the floor. And I I was so sad. Oh, and uh, no. I went to the bathroom, uh, uh, and I thought about a plan. I was going to wait a little bit more. And uh, see if I found him a little bit later. I oh, came man. back to his table and uh, he wasn't there. I thought he, he left. And then I turn around and he's coming back running to his table. And uh, I talk with him. Uh, he, he wants to take a picture with me. Uh, we talk a little bit. Uh, I, I was so happy. Oh, that's wonderful. That yeah. is awesome. Dan's he a great so guy. Nice. I've met him, and I love his work. Uh, his work on Spider-Man, She-Hulk. Um, he is an amazing writer. Oh, that is awesome, man! I'm glad that was a good. It turned out to be a great experience for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Well, because that could have easily led into the next question here. Your most. What is your most disappointing geek out? <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. Um, well, very similarly, in a convention, I wanted to meet Jim Starling. And uh, when it was my moment, I didn't have the correct ticket. And so oh, I no. came back later and he, he ended up signing my book, but it was a lot of waiting. And, uh, and mostly it was disappointing because it wasn't his decision. It was just the staff 
And I, I mean, I understand it's the rules and everything, but um, that could have been pretty, pretty bad. Mm. Oh, totally understand that. Totally understand that. What geeks you out the most? Uh, big moments in comics and movies and series like, um, I mean, no spoilers, but the finale of Ten of Swords. It was so good. <laughs> uh, Mandalorian season two finale. Uh, oh, yeah. Endgame's last last uh, big scene. Uh, yeah, moments like that. Oh, yeah. And I think everybody geeked out when Captain America went, Avengers Assemble. Ooh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and everyone's just like, oh, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you, they're still coming off when, you know, you know, he got the the hammer from Thor. It was just like, it's just like, okay, I don't know if I can handle this anymore. <laughs> exactly, yes. It was such your, a great moment. Oh, yeah, totally. What turns your geek off? Um, when a build-up doesn't pay off. Uh, like um, Game of Thrones finale. That, I mean, I was hoping for different things, <laughs> and probably most of us were. But, um, yeah, moments like that. Okay, no, perfect. The, the, I think that's one of the new number one answers on the show, Mikey. Right? For yeah, that category. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what fictional character would you like to meet the most? Um, I'm going to say Cyclops. He's my favorite character. Really? Yeah, he's such a great leader. And uh, yeah, probably Cyclops. Okay, that's cool. From the comics or the movies? No, no. The movies are <laughs> the comic books. <laughs> that's, pro that's probably the I next question. I see the comic books. Okay, because that goes into the question. What fictional character would you not like to meet? Uh, Cyclops on the movies. <laughs> no, 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 I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, probably uh, Wolverine. On really? the same X-Men boat? Uh, yeah. I tell him that I'm, I'm, I think Cyclops was right, and he'll probably... Cut me up. <laughs> yeah, unless you have a beer. Unless you have a beer. Yes. Burn. Hope so. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully. Or maybe Palpatine also. Um, I want to say that I'd be a wizard, but if I were a model, probably Voldemort. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, he yeah. who must not be named. Shh. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? Ooh, uh, I'd say Green Lantern South. Oh, very good one. Yeah. In Price awesome. is Day, in Black is Night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil smite, beware my power, Green Lantern's light. Mm. Such a good uh, oath. That is awesome. That is <laughs> awesome, man. You, that is cool. That is cool. <laughs> Do you, wait, wait, wait a minute! I just have to know here because uh, it's so rare that we get someone who's so fluent. Do you, can you can you say the oath in in Spanish? The the what? The oath in Spanish. Uh, I, um, oh, I so don't think a... I know it, but let me try it. <laughs> it's it's uh, en la noche más brillante, en la noche más oscura, ningún mal eh, escapará de mi vista. Eh, tema en el poder de linterna verde. Nice. Oh. Like that. <laughs> that is that, awesome. That sounds you could, cool. You could have you could have said anything to us. <laughs> like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's that is awesome, Oscar. Thank you, thank you. What is your ideal geek occupation? Oh, uh, in real life, uh, I'm a writer. 
Okay. I love creating stories. Uh, inside a universe, uh, I mean, I'd love to be a Green Lantern Corps um, or be anything with the X-Men. Uh, yeah, something, something like that. Awesome. No, that's really well done. Okay. What geek occupation would you not like to do? Oh, um, I mean, I studied a little bit of veterinary, so probably crypto's vet. Oh, Being okay. Cri- <laughs> yeah, crypto's veterinary, see- it's probably yeah, a bad job. Yeah, I could see that. I totally could see that. All right, Oscar, are you ready for your final question in the geek seat? Absolutely. He's smiling way too much on this mic. <laughs> he, he is just too happy with this. Did you forget to tie him down? And I think that's the problem right there. Maybe that's why. What is your ultimate geek fantasy? Ultimate geek fantasy? uh, To write, uh, to make a reality, this universe I'm creating, and this series, this issue is the beginning of my universe, and whether millions or a few people read it, uh, I want to make it a reality, and I have to give all these characters life that is awesome that is that is a great one i think that's you know that's a really admirable thing and you know when you're rich and famous you could say oh those <laughs> podcast guys no i won't talk to them uh, no i remember you forever man <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome oscar well i've got some great news for you you've made it through the geek seat congratulations Mr. Mike Gordon, tell the young man what he's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth $68.04. How much is is that in pesos, though? (laughs) Like 20 pesos, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) That's totally worth it. That's great. Uh, That is awesome, Oscar. You are off to an amazing start for making the dreams come true. Um, Like I said, I'm I'm really proud of... uh, um, your the success so far that you've had with the Kickstarter, and uh, we hope that uh, you know you do what it takes to get it, uh, and we can help get it over the get it over that hump. Thank you, thanks so much. So you can and uh, get it over, uh, so that you can start the new year off right. Thank you. With yes, a bang. with a bang, absolutely, absolutely. Thank and you for inviting me. Absolutely, and I know that you're participating uh, this weekend in CromCon, like the like we are. So yes. um, I know that it's not a it's only a virtual space, but you know it's kind of cool that we'll be virtually almost hanging out, kind of at a con. Absolutely, I mean after <laughs> such a rough year, it's going to yeah. be very very cool. Absolutely, that is awesome. Absolutely. Well, um, where can people go to find out more about the Kickstarter and more about what you're up to? I mean, go to Kickstarter and find Divine Feather. And if you want to talk with me, uh, meet a little bit, uh, I'm ocde.ramo on Instagram. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. Okay. We'll have links to both of those in our show notes for people. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. I'm truly honored to be here. As a new writer and unknown to everyone, uh, thank you so much that you gave me this opportunity. Thank you. The airlock is always open to you. Thank you so much. Just don't step out of it. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah, the first step is a doozy, as we like to say. <laughs> <laughs> Let's you. take a quick break, and we are going to be back, and we are talking about Wonder Woman 84. Hey, 
everybody. Michelle here with the last, yes, Iconic Rock Talk Show for 2020. We're almost there, guys. Uh, last week, I told you about the uh, Grammys uh, Hall of Fame recipients for 2021. Those awards go to the recordings. Uh, they announced those last Monday, and on Tuesday, they announced the Special Merit Awards. Now, these go to actual people. Uh, the Lifetime Achievement Award honorees for 2021 are Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, Salt and Peppa, Selena, and the Talking Heads, as well as jazz legend Lionel Hampton and opera icon Marilyn Horn. Uh, the Trustees Award recipients are famed R&B producer E. Kenny, a.k.a. Babyface Edmonds, uh, jazz saxophonist Benny Golson, and Ed Cherney, who worked on as an engineer on the soundtracks for A Mighty Wind, Born Legacy, and Fast Times at Ridgemont High, as well as uh, Michael Jackson's Off the Wall album and records for Sting, Bob Dylan, The Stones, and many, 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 many more. Um, and if you're into the technical awards, I think these people always deserve a mention. Um, they always get their awards like the night before. Uh, Daniel Weiss, who uh, his company produces the IBIS Digital Mixing Console and Gambit Series Digital Products. We couldn't have records without them, even though we don't understand what they do. Uh, these honorees will be recognized at the Grammy Awards show on uh, January 31st. Stay tuned for, for broadcast information on that. And that, folks, is the last Iconic Rock Talk Show moment for 2020. The blog is iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com. And I also have a blog at esonetwork.com. I wish you all a very happy new year, and we will catch you next time. What is the Soul Forge podcast? Join Sean and his guests as they talk about sex, geekiness, witchcraft, Star Trek, awkward dates, poetry, life, the universe, and everything else. Interviews have included writers, atheists, a rap star from Australia, a reality TV star, and a sex goddess from San Diego. If you have a story to share or just want to listen to one, check out the Soul Forge podcast. The Soul Forge. Let's find out together. This world is not yet ready for all that you will do. Your time will come, Diana. And everything will be different. Citizens of the world. I'm here to change your life. Anything you want. Anything you dream of, you can have it. Who Becky saw goes? Diana, look at you. It's like not one day has passed. I don't want to be like anyone. I want to be an apex predator. You've always had everything, while people like me have had nothing. Well, now it's my turn. Get used to it. I've never been one for rules. 
The answer is always more. The way I fly, they will never find us. I forgot to tell you. What? Radar. Will they will they shoot at us? so keen on this one i figure uh, you are but you know what i'm ready to go i think we can do better parachute pants yeah um... does, it, does everybody parachute now hey there listeners welcome back to earth station one now we are here with wonder woman 84 a brand new movie oh my god Yep, Warner Brothers was, gave us all a Christmas present on Christmas Day. Uh, it premiered in theaters as well as on HBO Max. Yeah, we're going to talk all about this new movie that came out in 2020. And we've got our movie crew to do it. Uh, we've got Ashley with us. Hello, I'm so excited to be talking about a brand new blockbuster. It feels like it's been way too long. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Long time coming. And uh, and we've got Alex with us here as well, of course. Kind of here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it's it's cool. I don't think we've uh, talked new movie uh, since September. Since Bill and Ted, maybe? Since Bill and Ted? Okay. Yeah, yeah um, maybe. Yeah, so uh, it, it's great to be uh, back in the, the saddle talking about movies that, that people haven't already seen a hundred times. Now, so. um I know that, uh, Alex, you in particular were um, thinking about uh, seeing this on the big screen. Did that happen for you? It did not. Um, We had some illnesses run in the family and just decided, you know what, let's not push that envelope. Um, Plus, as you'll recall, uh, in Georgia, it was below freezing for three days. It was cold. Um, And honestly, I live in an area with a bunch of mountains and hills. And there was just too much nerves about black ice. Yeah. So yeah, pumped call. out, watched it on HBO Max. Hey, hey, that's uh, apparently a lot of people did that. And uh, it's a great segue into how the movie was received. We'll talk about the box office and I guess the streaming ratings. Um, well, we can definitely talk about the box office. Uh, Warner will not be releasing the uh, the streaming ratings. Although the fact that they did go ahead and fast track Wonder Woman three this weekend kind of gives an indicator of how it did streaming. Um, the movie pulled in a domestic box office of sixteen point seven million for Christmas weekend. Um, by comparison, Tenet did twenty. Oh, really? Yes. Mm, interesting. Um, that be that being said. Uh, Wonder Woman did outperform the general predictions because uh, everyone was guessing that it was probably going to do about 14 million. Um, remember, a lot of movie theaters, uh, a lot of big chain movie theaters are still not open right now. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, Alex. What was the um, number of theaters that were actually showing Wonder Woman compared to Tenet? Uh, that's actually an excellent question, and um, 
if I can get that up real quick. Um, basically, as far as the numbers go, uh, it was in a theater count of 2151, um, which is honestly for a blockbuster movie uh, is down about 1500 screens. Um, normally, a big film like this is going to be hitting somewhere between 35 and 4000 screens. So, wow. okay. yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was kind of big. AT&T came out and said that uh, nearly half of their HBO Max subscribers viewed Wonder Woman 1984 on Christmas Day. Um, now, the, the exact numbers aren't known, but uh, HBO Max had about 3.6 million direct retail customers in as of October. We can only un- imagine that that ballooned up in December because uh, they were they've been pushing this movie hard and they've been pushing HBO Max hard. So I'm guessing, you know, that 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 we're probably looking at at least two million, maybe anywhere between two and four million people who probably watched it on Christmas Day. That's just on Christmas Day. Right. And and again, this is a case where um, the, that kind of number um, is is kind of on the low end of what's the word I'm looking for uh, estimation uh, simply because it's, it's not single people watching it alone. Right. Right. It's families, it's, it's families yeah, watching yeah. it. It's, yeah. it's, you know um, it's people doing watch togethers and, and things of that nature that are going to uh, the, the pull this up. So it's quite possible. This movie actually did uh, a really spectacular uh, for the streaming aspect, which I it, again is proven by them announcing Wonder Woman three um, so quickly this past weekend, and and not only that, but they also released that uh, whole slate of DC movies and uh, television shows and streaming shows that um, you know I think they were taking a page out of what Disney released uh, as far as. Uh, Marvel a couple weeks ago. So, um, so yeah, we're getting, we're going to get a lot of stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're getting a third Wonder Woman movie for sure, which I think all of us kind of expected, right? Anyway, yeah. so, um, so let's get in the movie itself. Um, because I think, I think if I'm not mistaken, um, this was high up on everybody's list of things, of movies that we were really excited about this year. Um, certainly I think it was at the top, if not the top movie that I was excited for. So, um, that's a lot of expectations to put on a movie, especially after the year we've had. Um, so to finally have it come out in December, um, yeah, good luck meeting those expectations. But, um, Ashley, we'll start with you. What was your feeling going in and, you know, after watching it overall? Yeah. So again, yeah, this is definitely one of the movies I was most looking forward to. And in a better world, we would have seen this months ago. So the hype and the buildup was definitely there. And I was worried about getting maybe my expectations a little too high for this. The original uh, 20, the Wonder Woman movie that came out in 2017 is actually my all-time favorite superhero film just because it meant so much to me in a personal sense, seeing an on-screen uh, female superhero for the first time 
and the movie came out in the midst of going through some health struggles and just was a really difficult time for me personally. So her story was really inspiring. So my expectations for the sequel were sky high and I had hoped to go see it in the theater, but, um, COVID intervened quite literally. And so I was at home watching this movie on my little TV. So again, it wasn't quite the big theater experience I had expected. I would say that overall, I was unfortunately a little disappointed with this one. It just didn't connect with me in the same way that the first one did. I thought that the story was not as straightforward and focused and just didn't leave me with a kind of that same feeling I felt watching the first movie. So there were some things I enjoyed about it, but overall was not as strong an experience as watching the first one. That does seem to be a very popular opinion out there. Um, man, this movie is getting some hate out there. It's amazing yes. to me. Like I, yeah, I don't know where that's coming from, but you know, it's 2020, it's the internet. So of course, you know, um, but uh, Alex, what about you? Um, yeah. So I actually went back and listened to our review of the original Wonder Woman uh, before seeing it. And one of the things I said at that time was that I I wanted more uh, from the last movie. And when I said that, what I meant was um, that I didn't want the film to end. That I was so impressed with it. Uh, the No Man's Land sequence, uh, all of that was just so good that I didn't want this film to, to end. Um, I went into this film really excited for it. And honestly, I should have known better. It's a DC superhero movie um, that's trying to, to flash the nostalgic, not unlike Superman Returns. Um. <sighs> the movie's unbelievably weak in the villain department and it's completely underdeveloped in the plot department. You want to push this to the bare essentials. The villain is the monkey's paw. Oh, it's true. That's a good way to put it actually. And, and, Oh, I'm sorry, but, but, but Gal Gadot and, and Patty Jenkins and wonder woman deserves more than a crappy sequel. And unfortunately we got ourselves a crappy sequel. You're not Mike? hearing any argument there, dude. I actually, <laughs> you know, no, um, I kind of agree with Alex a lot on what he just said. Uh, I was excited for this one. I really was. I think we all, like you said, we all were pretty much, but was there too much hype behind it? Were our was our expectations because it was a brand new movie, a brand new superhero movie, you know, uh, coming out that you know because we haven't even gotten Black Widow or anything like that. It's I think that what they said recently, it's been eighteen months since we've had a Marvel movie, just yeah. about. Mm -hmm. So you know we're you know this is big. This is. You know, something that we've all been waiting for for quite some time. So having Wonder Woman come up and the nostalgia value and taking place in Washington, D.C. in 1984, where I was a senior in high school. I was, this was 
me, this was my heyday, you know, Georgetown, where, you know, and they, they captured it. They completely captured the feel of Georgetown in 1984 with Commander Salamanders and some of the other stores that they had and restoring Wisconsin Avenue to what it looked like at the time. They did great. They did I smiled at awesome Chess King. Yeah. <laughs> well, when they were at the mall, there is no mall like that in Georgetown. No. Sorry. but Or even in Washington, D.C. In Virginia, yes, but not in D.C. itself. No. But it was nitpicking, and I'm not going to go with that. But I like that they, the, that they brought back Steve Trevor the way they did it. Eh. You know, the possession thing. We'll get into that. Um, Villain-wise, they didn't even call her Cheetah in this movie. You know, Kristen Wiig was... I liked her character. I like what they did with her, but I, she wasn't cheated to me at all. And also Max Lord, you know, this is like the, I think they had Max Lord on some of the TV shows on Supergirl. Mm-hmm. I think it, it was, was on uh, Smallville and on Supergirl. Yeah. So this is the third time we've seen Max Lord on screen or on the big screen. So, I was like, I had, when I saw who it was, I t- I pointed to Judy, the Mandalorian, and she <laughs> says, "Oh, okay." So it was it, for that. It was great as a villain. No, he wasn't. He was not convincing. He wasn't even. I didn't even feel like. Yeah, he was a threat, but he was. It wasn't a, a threat that was Wonder Woman quality type thing. I thought, you know, it was like, I thought it was very weak storytelling. I agree with that. And the plotting was not there. The movie had some wonderful moments, and I hope we can focus on that. But as the tale of a villain of Max Lord and Cheetah, no, I don't think so. I'm like you, um, whereas I was, I mean, this was the movie I was looking forward to the most. And so there was a lot of, yeah, a lot of expectations for me on it, um, or I do, what I think that was unrealistic. Maybe. I mean, the first Wonder Woman movie was lightning striking in an amazingly historically powerful way. Um, it was more than a movie. It was really more than a movie. Um, to experience that again was a lot to ask, especially on the small screen. Um, but so Jenkins and company had their work cut out for them, but they also had a long time to develop this movie um, and even fix some problems if they needed to uh, because of the delays. Um, But uh, what we get is kind of a mess. There's some good stuff. Um, There's some really good stuff. And so I, I, I understand that people are disappointed and I'm not saying that it's a great movie by any means. Although I think some people are being a little too dramatic about it online saying that it's the worst movie ever made or the worst superhero movie ever made, et cetera, et cetera. That's, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to go even close to that far. I mean, I recently watched Batman v Superman a couple weeks ago and I would put, I would, I would watch this movie 10 times before I'd watch that movie again uh, once. Um, so um, it's, uh, it, I, I think it all comes down to a script. It's a bad script. It needed uh, like a number of polishes, um, and um, because there are themes, there are threads in here that are really interesting, but ultimately they're not connected properly. Um, it's kind of messy. 
And there's some weird decisions that are being made here. I'm not, I mean, from the comics, I know Maxwell Lord. He's not, he didn't start off as a Wonder Woman villain in the comics. Uh, he kind of gradually became that because of, uh, because of something, ironically enough, Jeff Johns wrote. Um, and so, uh, so it's not, it's not a surprise to see that in this script that's co-written by Jeff Johns that they use him. Uh, but I, uh, I have some things I liked about using him, but ultimately uh, he was not enough. Um, and look, Cheetah is, is Wonder Woman's main villain. For all, for most people think of, you know, if they think of Batman, Joker, they think of Wonder Woman, Cheetah. Like in Challenge of the Super Friends, Cheetah was the one that was in the Legion of Doom. Like she was, like she is the one that everybody knows. This Barbara Ann Minerva didn't really ring true to me in any way. I'm not a big Kristen Wiig fan. So that had knocks against it right from the beginning for me. But I, I can't say that she was to blame. Uh, because if you take her out of the movie, I don't even know if people notice because she's not really integral to the plot in a lot of ways. So um, now uh, before we get into some other things, I do want to say too that I do think this movie suffered from me seeing it on a small or scale because there are moments in this movie, uh, particularly the moment where uh, she learned, Diana learns to fly. And when uh, her and Steve are in the jet, uh, going through the fireworks, I'm like, this is supposed to be majestic no. grand moments that I should be enjoying on the big screen. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen a movie in the theater on the big screen since Birds of Prey, uh, ironically, another DC movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've seen a lot of movies, new movies on streaming. This is the first time I've watched a movie on streaming and I thought, man, I wish I was seeing this on the big screen. I agree with that completely. Those scenes were meant to be... Like, wow! I don't think they. It wouldn't have saved anywhere. the movie. No, I don't think. But it, but it would have either, helped a lot. <laughs> I don't think any of those. There was no scene in this movie that was the no man's land scene from the first movie. No, 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 no. But I think there were some movie. There were some scenes that would have been more powerful if I'd seen them on the big screen. I think Patty made them to be on the big screen and unfortunately we didn't get to see him that way yeah but a, a a movie with a bunch of cool scenes and no story mm -hmm. is not going to work and that's the biggest problem this movie has is it has a totally undercooked script yeah. um there is i actually uh chris stuckman uh who does uh reviews on on youtube pointed this out he said a hundred minutes into the movie he paused the film and went wait have we not seen her as Wonder Woman since the beginning of the movie? Mm -hmm. She has a fight in the she has a fight in the um shopping mall. In the shopping mall and her next big fight sequence is the is is the uh the car uh, the 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 caravan. Right. And that's 100 desert. minutes. That's 100 minutes that goes by. Wow, I that, didn't think it was that far. That it, doesn't that doesn't bother me. Um, because one of the things that I do like about a Wonder Woman movie is it subverts your expectations of what to expect from a superhero movie. The fact that when she fights, she fights defensively. The fact that when she defeats the main boss villain in this one, she does so with a conversation rather than a punch. 
I, I love those elements of Wonder Woman. But they um, did that because she was a weakened character. She fought defensively through the entire movie because she was weak, because she I didn't wasn't a strong character at all. No, I didn't see that. I, I didn't see that there was anything wrong with uh, Gal's performance. And, um, you know, there was a character flaw, but they set that up that she had had that when she was younger about how she's willing to you know, believe a lie rather than accept the truth in some cases. Um, and, and that kind of hurt her because I was, I was, I was disturbed and I guess we can get into it now, but I, Mike, because you pointed this out too. I was disturbed by the fact that Steve came back possessing another man's body. That, that was, I was, I didn't expect that. I didn't think it was necessary. And it added, like it ad- made me confused because I'm like, you know, Diana wants Steven back, Steve back, but she doesn't want him this way. Yeah, and I think they didn't I really get that. into the bizarre ethical issues of that. It's like, what about this poor man <laughs> whose just body has been taken over? Like, what's he doing now? So I thought that was, this is a comic book superhero movie. So I feel like they could have invented any number of ways to get Steve Trevor back. Like he could have been a vision or something or heck, it's a wishing stone. He just comes back time travels from the past so i thought he just pops up yeah that was a strange way walks out of the grave and then they don't really delve into any of the um (laughs) like ethical logistics of that and so yeah unusual choice yeah that was really weird i could i could see diana like sacrificing her powers in order to get steve back but i can't understand her sacrificing another person to get Steve back. See, that's where I was confused with while I was watching it until towards the end of it that she was losing her powers because of Steve. I thought she was losing her powers because of Barbara wishing that she was, you know, I kind of thought like, that too. You know, Diana. Mm-hmm. And well, that's it, oh, wow. Because they made, I thought they made it pretty clear that a, a wish takes away your whatever you hold dear the most, which I don't think. I don't think Diana no, thinks of that... her strength as being her most like things that she treasures the most. But yeah, the the yeah. thing with this was the the big monkey paw uh, uh, aspect of this was that it wasn't taking what you thought was the most important thing that you had, but more along the lines of what other people thought was the most important thing you had. But um, in the case of Diana, it was taking away. I mean, she just. It wasn't Max when she wished it was just a rock. So why did the rock, how did the rock decide what to take? It it, it, it doesn't matter what the rock thinks. No. (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you and good night, ladies and gentlemen. I'm done. All right. All right. So that was the line of the the show. I'm sorry. Absolutely. Because I I, I walked right into it. Awesome. Great setup. Um, So I, um, before, because there's a lot we could rag on, and because there's a lot that's wrong with this, but I want to uh, start off by Mike. You mentioned we should focus on some stuff positive. I want you to talk about like what your favorite thing was that you liked about it. Uh, Ashley, was there something that you loved in this movie or liked at least? I really loved the opening on the mascara. I think that world is so cool. I loved how much we got to see of that in the first movie. 
And even though it kind of felt like a little bit of a side quest of the plot, I really liked just traveling back there and seeing those characters in that world and just exhibiting the athleticism and the uh, prowess of that culture, I thought was super awesome. We already touched on this a little bit, but I loved seeing uh, Diana learn how to fly. I felt that was emotional tying back to her connection to Steve Trevor and I thought there was the really nice moment again when they're flying together in the plane and the fireworks are going off and her goodbye with him was very emotional and I thought was well done, even despite some of the weirdness of how that character got there. So I think that uh, Gal Gadot and Chris Pine just have great chemistry as those two characters. And I can definitely see why they wanted to bring them back because they have such a a great connection and it would probably be too much of a stretch to bring Steve Trevor back for a third time, but it is oh, just, why not? The, just, just throw like, him, keep throwing him in, in each movie, just he, in a different weird the, way. He's the Kenny of the DC. Universe. Yes. Like, <laughs> it's like, Oh, they killed Steve again. You bastards. I'll, I'll <laughs> never complain about Chris Pine showing up again. So <laughs> wonder woman three surprise me. <laughs> Full uh, name is Steve Trevor Palpatine. Um, no one is ever really gone no one is ever really yeah thank you uncle ben anyway um yeah for me honestly i I, I, this year was awesome it was great getting to see robin Wright back um i love that character and i feel like we could have gone an easy you know 30 minutes 40 minutes just in that area um uh, having her as as the mentor character uh, is really a brilliant idea. Uh, for me, honestly, favorite moment of the movie, Linda Carter. Mm. The cameo oh, appearance at the, at the end. end of the movie after the credits have started. That was um, so awesome. Yeah, yeah. But again, even then, she winds up looking at the camera, winks, breaks the fourth wall. Um, cause, oh, I've been doing this for years. Winky face. Check me out as, uh, Linda Carter's Wonder Woman now streaming on HBO Max. Exactly. She looks great. I'm sorry, oh, but you know, yeah, she always you know, has, she, always some, will. For someone who's almost 70 years old, that she looks fantastic. Yeah. She's been great on Supergirl. Um, I think she, I think her character is done on that show, but, uh, prior to last season, she was, she was the president on that show and she was great. So I've seen her recently. So it wasn't like, Oh, I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, Cause I know a lot of people probably like, this is the first time they've seen her in decades. For um, me, sky high. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, um, Mike, what about you? What's, uh, what's something positive that you have? Well, like Ashley said, the chemistry between Gal and Chris was amazing. I loved it in the first movie. Still there, this one. They they belong together. The chemistry was there. I just don't like how they got there in this movie. <laughs> and um, the fashions in this, the you know, the cars, everything for you know what they had in this movie this was the reagan era i'm glad they touched on the whole nuclear thing you know the whole televangelist the whole you know cable was just still was in its infancy still in 1984 a lot of people don't realize that you know nowadays we have hundreds and hundreds of channels cable was just you know starting up and 
you know, it was still in its infancy. It was, there was good things about it. The, her learning to fly was great. Um, her telling the story of the warrior about the armor, that was cool. I even liked the friendship between Barbara and Diana at the beginning. It made sense and everything because Diana was the one person who recognized her for what she knew and what she what she potential she had, but that just went sour because of it. And it was it was it was interesting to see. I think, you know, if you had me with the first two acts, great. I enjoyed the movie. I even enjoyed the the fight in the desert. I thought that was awesome with the caravan and that was very well done. The third act, I think they fumbled the ball completely. And that's what disappointed with me. And that's what I'm remembering about this movie. And I've seen it twice already, folks. Wow. So. Um, I will say I like the soundtrack. Uh, we got Hans Zimmer back. Uh, he did not. He he kind of set up her theme in Batman v Superman. And then for some reason, he wasn't able to do uh, the movie, uh, the first movie, the score of the first movie. So he's, he's here scoring this one and the Wonder Woman theme is all over it. And I love the theme that he's come up with for Wonder Woman. I love to hear it. Um, it's so refreshing to have a character, have a set theme that you recognize. And actually I find myself humming. It's just really powerful. And, you know, they don't seem to do that for any other character. And I don't understand why, because that's part of the fun of doing these characters, making these movies is creating themes for them. Um, so I like the way the music was. I probably will end up buying the soundtrack because of it. Um, and I'm going to say this. So I'm not a big Max Lord fan. Um, but I will say the, at the beginning when they introduce him, the idea of having Max Lord be this guy, this business guy from the 80s, who I remember those ads that you used to see on TV with the with the real estate guy with the two girls in bikinis on his yacht saying this could be you and it was all celebrating about like it was the 80s so it was about excess it was about lifestyles of the rich and famous you know they they needed Robin Leach to have a cameo in this um uh um that's that really I like the idea of making Max Lord that kind of guy um, oh, that that was perfect. That was really, really well done. Yeah, it, I recognized this is him coming that way. From, this is coming from somebody <laughs> whose parents actually fell for a couple of those things. <laughs> yeah, so. Ponzi schemes, pyramid schemes, like that kind of – they were ran, running rampant all over the that, the 80s. And um, I like that. I like – I think Pedro did a great job per, person, like performing that character um, to the, the extent of here's a guy who is – ethnic but look how he's trying to make himself look as white as possible to fit in with the 80s mentality um it just that was i really liked and appreciated that aspect of him um the you know obviously there's some other issues i mean that this relationship with his son and the fact that you know they should have kind of really played that up a little bit more so it meant more at the end and there's a lot of things that i think threads that just sort of been connected better in the script. I don't think an editing job would have helped. I think you'd had to start really with the script and, and working on, I think there's some really valid, interesting threads here. 
uh, things about like, you know, be careful what you wish for. Um, don't believe in lies. You know, Wonder Woman's all about hope. She's all about truth. And so this movie that takes, that has to do with that, um, you know, I, I think that's where we stumble. But I, I will say that I'll give them props for making Max Lord, at least in the beginning, kind of interesting. Once he makes the wish that he's a stone, then I think it all ter- run, goes to hell for me. <laughs> really? Because I'm like, I never, I never felt there anyway. was any kind of chemistry between the kid and, the fo- and Max Lord. No, no. Really. All right, so we've talked about things we liked, and uh, if there's more stuff you liked, um, feel free to bring it up. But I also want to ask you guys a question. Um, I think um, Patty and company kind of tied their hands a little bit. As much as the 80s references were kind of cool, I think they boxed themselves in because according to the Snyder movies, Wonder Woman is forgotten or not known, recognized, and people aren't aware of her until like present day, like, you know, 2015, 2016, whatever you want to call it. Um, And so the character has to go out of her way to make sure that she's not recognized doing good or doing acts, right? Like taking out cameras, not, not performing or not being in costume, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Did this need to take place in the eighties? Shouldn't it just, why not take place now? Like, is, do you think uh, that kind of, that was not necessary to have it set in the eighties or Thor Ragnarok. Okay. Thor what... Ragnarok's entire sales pitch was this is a goofy eighties movie and it's got synthesizers and eighties style music. And it's got the rainbow look of the eighties and it's got this cool font and all of this. And you guys love the eighties nostalgia and you're going to love this movie. And Thor Ragnarok made three times as much money as the previous ones. They made this movie an 80s movie to be a marketing tool. Yeah. No, it did not have to take place in the 80s. And considering the fact that they used one 80s song that came out in December of 1984, um, they uh yeah they they did not have to do this movie in the, the only reason to do this movie in the 80s is because people were shopping in malls then yeah uh, according to the credits That's there's true. actually three 80s movies uh, 80s songs uh i only heard one of them uh which was welcome to the pleasure dome by yep. uh um frankie goes to hollywood which i thought was perfect for that scene yes it was uh, in december it was of 84 yeah but yeah. they also apparently uh, Duran Duran and Gary Newman also <laughs> appear on the soundtrack. I don't know where they are in the movie though. <laughs> yeah, I, it could have been in a passing car or something. And that—that's. <laughs> but truthfully, I talked. I learned to Judy, and I said they just missed out on a huge opportunity for an amazing soundtrack, like a James Gunn type soundtrack with '80s music that they could have gotten. And it's right not there, like Warner media doesn't have a library. <laughs> no, exa- well, exactly. Exactly. And did you say that Gary Newman might've been played in cars? Uh, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> it's not the song that yeah. they used. It's not even the Gary Newman song they used. <laughs> no, cause Gary, Gary Newman cars came out in 79. So oh, there you go. It was, it was an oldie by that point. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> 
Co- well, obviously, yeah. they were being pretty loose on, you know, when actually music came out in the DC yeah. universe. So Now, like, and you said something else good about this movie. Um, Chris's reaction to all the new technologies and everything, that was awesome. That he he did that the total fish out of water, you know, because you know think about it, nineteen seventeen to nineteen eighty four was a huge technical, you know, technology gas. But then for him, who's <laughs> only flown a, you know, a prop plane to be able to f- fly a jet yeah. right away, he's good. Like, Wait a minute! Wow, you know, go Steve, you know, type thing. That was he's part of a Mary Sue. Um, yeah. I, I, I will say this. I, I do like, uh, th- there were some great moments with, yeah. with Steve being a fish out of water, which is awesome because in the first movie, Wonder Woman was the fish out of water. Exactly. I like that. Uh, which is great. So it was a nice, like was a, a nice way to work that in. Um, I liked his morality, him sitting there going, look, you, you wish for me to be here. And that's great and all, but it's costing you your powers. And I sacrificed myself once so that you could save the mm-hmm. world. Don't bring me back so that you can't do it again. Mm-hmm. Is basically what he says. And it's a case where she does have to learn at that point that the shortcut is not going to, to work for her. I don't think her renouncing the wish hit me as well as it could have, um, mostly because we don't see yeah i think him changing back uh to guy whose life disappeared for a couple of days yeah um and because i would love to have seen you know i want to see this guy sit there and go well you know i'd like to have a great christmas right here at the end of the year but i lost my job because i didn't go to work for three days yeah. <laughs> and, and why am I so sore? Why is my hand swollen? Yeah, pun- yeah. Have I been punching a wall or something? You know, I'm sorry, but uh, during that last scene where she sees him, like you know, they meet, quote unquote, for the first mm. time. I kept thinking, I'm like, yeah, Diana's just looking at you, and like, hey, dude, you don't know me, but I've had sex with you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you guys understand that Secret Service now has a dossier on this guy. And he has no idea why. <laughs> this poor man. Does... <laughs> For the record, uh, the guy, the, 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 the handsome man, uh, as he's listed in the credits, actually has done an entire series of Hallmark Christmas movies, which is why his conversation with her is at Christmas. Uh, uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is the stuff they thought about, not fixing the problems with the movie. Um, you know, I know that uh, we are, we're starting to run out of time a little bit, but I do want to mention this, too. And I want to bring this up because I think it's important, too. I think um, I, I will credit Gal's performance here, uh, but I will wonder, I do wonder if the character of Diana, the character of Wonder Woman wasn't undermined a little bit in this movie. The fact that she's holding such a strong torch for a guy for 60 years, the fact that she's willing to accept a lie, not just because by losing her powers, but just, you know, because that she's willing to to sacrifice this guy that they don't know. Um, that seems kind of thing like things that I wouldn't associate with Diana at this stage in her life, maybe early on, 
possibly. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they we go over, you know, the Thamascara scene shows that she's had this problem before, or she's she's had this dilemma before, where she kind of cheated and and you know tried to get by on a lie. Um, but supposedly she learned from that. But we find out here that mm, not so much. And not only does she hold a torch for this guy for 60 years, but thanks to the Snyder films, we know that she holds the torch again. I mean, like because, Still because, holds she, the torch. because she loses him again, yeah. I guess it reboots the torch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, it is Chris Pine. So it's, it's hard to live up to that bar. <laughs> you know what? That's the most compelling argument I've heard I, from that. So yeah, I can't, like, I, yeah, I can't argue with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Knowing the history of of Wonder Woman, specifically uh, in regards to the creator of Wonder Woman, I think there are some things that um, may have been a little too spot on in this movie. Um, Remember that she is a woman who is completely powerful unless she willingly gives up her lasso to be tied up in it. Um, that was the basis of her character for a long, long time. And here, you know, we see her throughout the film in a defensive manner, as opposed to being Amazonian badass from the first film. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. I, I, you know, you could, you could call it being out of practice because it's been 50, 60 years since she's actually done any combat, but clearly if she's showing up in the mall beforehand, she's been practicing. Oh you yeah. Know? She's really good. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from. I just, I, I appreciate that the finding style is one that's more about saving lives. Even the person that you're attacking, as opposed to just going out and slaughtering your enemy. You know, that might be cool for Xena Warrior Princess, but it's not Wonder Woman. As as I understand with DC comic movies, it's appropriate for all superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> and if someone's got a gun problem, it's because they've only got two hands and five guns. This does this does have <laughs> Snyder's name on it. All uh, so, over it. <laughs> so I was fully expecting a Martha somewhere in there, you know? Slow motion fight sequences and yeah. That's the other thing that's interesting too, because recently Patty Jenkins doing the press for this movie was asked about uh, how she felt about, you know, the Justice League movie and Whedon versus Snyder cut and all that kind of stuff. And she kind of uh, went to bat for Snyder and said that, you know, we had been working on our vision of Wonder Woman for that was going to be comprehensive and that Joss's vision that's that he showed in the the Justice League movie did not gel with that. Now, it's been a while since I've seen Justice League, and I don't know if it's worth a rewatch or not. But um, I, I didn't. The the differences might be subtle, but it's obvious to me that she's on board with the Snyder version of Wonder Woman because she and she and Snyder have kind of put this together. Um, but I, I don't know. I. I I don't know where Diana ranks here. I just, I mean, I know that I I understand that Patty Jenkins wouldn't give us a Wonder Woman that was subservient to men, but man, you could make an argument that in sometimes in this movie, she is. Oh yeah. Yeah. I feel like there, the story needed more nuance. Like if you're going to have Diana 
be pining for Steve for all Ooh, this time. I like the pun. You know, I, yeah. No. <laughs> oh, hey, I didn't even know. I didn't even catch that. So Ashley with <laughs> I'm the done pun. for the night. But... <laughs> so, um, yeah, I feel like they should have done that with a lot more nuance. And maybe this was a movie they should have set back a little further. Like, what if you'd set it in the 50s? Like, after World War II, you have that kind of economic boom i could see uh like pedro pascal's character working in that setting but i feel like yeah they're the choices they made weren't necessarily bad in some instances they just needed a lot more depth and a lot more nuance pumped into those in order to be able to tell a stronger story need to be polished Mm. Mm -hmm. all right so anything else we want to say either good or bad about uh, WW84. I did want to say that I really loved the gold costume with the wings. I thought that looked super awesome, and I wouldn't mind seeing that show up again in a future Wonder Woman yeah, movie. Yeah, I, I dug it too, um, especially her fighting style with it. And and but I did kind of wonder. I'm like, why does she need it? Why did she yeah, go back that's out fair of her point. way to get? Like, it would have made sense if she was didn't have her powers. But at that point, mm-hmm. her powers had been restored. So I was like, I, yeah, it's one of those things that didn't. Makes sense. Because those uh, Christmas ornaments and action yep. figures aren't yeah, going yeah, to sell yeah. themselves. I understand. Um, well, I mean, it's the poster has her on it, yeah. so like that. So, <laughs> oh, exactly. The fight between Cheetah, I'm using air quotes with Cheetah, and Wonder Woman at the power station, and that armor was supposed to have withstand armies of men, and it was being torn apart by Cheetah right there. It was and her just like. Exactly. It was like, yeah, no. There was no, 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 no. Sorry. (laughs) I didn't mean to sound like Palpatine there, but yeah. (laughs) But no, it was. I really wanted to like this one. I really did. And there, like I said, there were things I liked about it, but I just, I can't give this one a passing grade. Yeah. This, this one hurts. This one hurts because. I think we were all big fans of the original Wonder Woman movie. And, you know, you get Patty Jenkins back, you get Gal back. And I'm like, man, we could have had Godot in more Fast and Furious movies. And instead, she's pumping this one out. Dude, give me Giselle and Han any day of the week, man. Mike, I I don't know if Alex and Ashley will get this, but um, Mike, you had to appreciate Simon Stagg. Oh, it was awesome. You know, <laughs> it was awesome. And I'm hoping they're going to do a Metamorpho TV show now with this guy as Simon Stagg. Yeah, that, that would, that would cost awesome. too much money. That would cost, that's too much CG, uh, even for nowadays. Uh, Metamorpho would just be entirely a CG character. Uh, oh, God, maybe yeah. an animated movie. Um, hey, there you go. But uh, yeah, that was, uh, he showed up, I think, on The Flash season one, but. Uh, yeah, he was uh, seeing, killed by Harrison Wells in the in the Flash series. See, seeing uh, Simon Stay because the, the actor they got looked like I mean it was good. They I, they oh they brought him perfectly to life in this one. I was I was really impressed. There was you know the characters themselves. I thought you know I could see you know Pedro as you know as Max Lord. I thought he was great overall, you know, like you said, you know, trying to make himself look American and everything like that. That's totally believable. He looks like one, like you said, one of the shysters from the eighties movies and, you know, but you also didn't get an introduction of, you know, some of other 
people that they work with and stuff like that. So it was just like, mm, I know they couldn't fit any more new characters into this. So yeah, I only saw it once, so I'd I'd have to see if there's more. But there aren't really a lot of other. DC or Wonder Woman comic references in this movie. Like Stag is, is there, but, uh, and he's not even a Wonder Woman guy, but if you're a comic fan looking for, you know, cool, obscure Easter eggs, this is not, you're going to be disappointed in that regard too. So. No. Did you see candy though? In one of in the yep. apartment, in the picture. Yeah. That was a nice touch. <laughs> Especially was. since like every other picture was Steve. I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ashley would understand, but that must be what her office looks like, right? Yeah. yeah again, Star Wars Chris and Chris Pine. Pine. Star Wars and Chris Pine. Yes. If Chris Pine ever does a Star Wars movie, watch out, folks. You'll just find me passed out in the aisles of the theaters. I'm just going to point out that Patty Jenkins, who has worked with Chris twice, is doing Rogue Squadron. That's true. Exactly. Well, we know now. Know who's in charge of the Rogue Squadron? There you and, go. And we know. Just, and we, and we know. And then we know Chris Patty. can play a pilot. So. All right, so I think that's our that does it for our review of Wonder Woman 1984. Um, yeah, I'm not going to ask. I mean, rating if you want to, uh, but uh, um, any last words about the movie? Uh, maybe even what you're thinking about a, a sequel, if you're okay with that, Ashley. Yeah, um, definitely. I like all the characters cast and uh, people involved, and in, I would like to see the third one maybe try to tackle less and be a little bit of a smaller, more intimate story focused on those characters in the heart of uh, Wonder Woman and what she stands for. I felt like there were so many villains and like side stories going on. You almost lost track of Wonder Woman, who's the main character. So I'd like to see the sequel focus and back her on her and what makes her special. Cool. Alex. I honestly, I'd like to go ahead and put a permanent memoriam on mousy side characters who suddenly become the villain because we've seen it with uh, amazing spider-man 2 batman forever or excuse me batman and robin batman returns Returns, um (laughs) and uh and and now this one and i just feel like if you're a mousy character in a superhero movie at this point the superhero should just straight up murder you in the first scene (laughs) just get it out of the way now um, the hardest part for me about this film is that I can't sit there and say, maybe it'll be better on a small screen because I've already seen it there. You can see it on your phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Screen's not going to get much smaller. Uh, Mike, what about you? Final thoughts are watch it. If you're a completist, watch it. If it's, you know, if you like the character of Wonder Woman played by Gal Gadot. She does a she does a great job. She's left with a really crap script, and I'm so looking forward to seeing her in Wonder Woman Y2K. <laughs> what are you talking about? Wonder Woman 2020. <laughs> it's um, just her inside all day. Exactly. Hey, that that's fine. We'll never that's, see her in costume on that. That's one. fine. You know as. As Ashley feels about Chris, I'm right there with her about Gal. So I, I'll be fine with that. Yeah, likewise. Look, um, if if anybody associated with DC or, you know, Patty Jenkins or anybody associated with Wonder Woman in the next movie can is listening to this by chance, uh, please do yourselves a favor and 
have uh, instead of Jeff Johns, ask Jeff Johns to please just stick with Stargirl because he does an excellent job with that show and hire Greg Rucka to co-write the next movie with uh, Patty Jenkins. I think that'll solve all your problems. Uh, mm-hmm. Greg, Rucka, Greg Rucka, for those who don't know, uh, is a great uh, writer. Uh, he did a great run twice, a good two runs on the Wonder Woman title, comic title. And he recently wrote um, and came out with The Old Guard on Netflix this year, which mm-hmm. I think is a better movie. He can write strong women characters in action. So, oh, he um, can. And you also didn't see Barbara withdraw her wish. So, you know, we're going to see what happens there. It, she could return. She could return, hopefully in a better way, in a better way. So awesome. Well, thanks so much. This is our final review of 2020. Uh, so the next time you hear us, we will be coming to you in, for the movie in 2021. What that is, we have no idea. So, because <laughs> we have no idea what, but it'll probably be on HBO Max. Um, so <laughs> thanks everybody for the, the wonderful reviews and discussion as always. And we'll be right back with the con. In your satin tights, fighting for your rights, and the old red, white, and blue. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this Geek Girl is talking about Wonder Woman 84. So HBO Max decided to release Wonder Woman 84 on Christmas on their streaming platform. It was also released in a few movie theaters that are actually still open, but I was excited to be able to sit on my couch on Christmas, covered in tons of blankets, snuggled up to my pugs, and watch a movie. So I'm going to start off with saying I enjoyed this movie. I've seen so many people either like it or hate it, and there's really no middle ground. But was I expecting it to be as good as the first one? No. The first film was wonderful, and I did not expect this one to have the same impact that that one did. Did I expect it to be a fun comic movie set in the 80s? Yes. And for me, it was just that, and that was enough. Now, I'm saying I liked the movie, but that doesn't mean I didn't see problems with it. It could have been shorter. Cheetah should have had a larger role. Max Lord was super hokey as a villain and a bit confusing once he got his powers. So I definitely did see all of this, but I still enjoyed the movie. But also, I love how Wonder Woman was portrayed, showing that she tried to stay in the shadows and not be noticed while still trying to help people showing how much she missed Steve and how she had that struggle to give him up after realizing that having him there was not the truth and how it was going to hurt people. I love the interactions between Diana and Steve, and I really even enjoyed the interactions between Diana and Barbara. I wanted to see more of that. And of course, I wanted to see more Cheetah. I feel that we just did not get enough of her and that it was lacking in that department that I feel like she should have been the main villain in the end instead of the like five minutes we got about her with her overall it's a fun movie it's also a great it also has a great cameo at the end which was such a fun thing to see added in since we all love linda carter of course we do she's amazing and i was so happy that they finally like worked her into the movie somehow so that's fun, especially if you didn't realize that there was an after credit sequence, which I knew about because it was the only thing I had really seen after the movie came out, which I'm glad I missed all the spoilers, but I'm happy I knew about that. 
If you want to hear a bit more of what I thought about the movie, and as well as some of the other ESO podcast hosts, you should check me out on the ESO DCU podcast for this week about Wonder Woman 84. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. Welcome back for the week of December 31st, 2020. Bye-bye, 2020. It's the ESO Network Con Report. And we are starting 2021, the new year, off with a bang. We're going to be at not one, but two conventions this weekend. And the beauty of doing virtual conventions is that we can be at two cons at the same weekend. Um, I thought we were going to have to clone ourselves or something like that. No, no, no. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Um, So uh, the first convention that we're going to be at uh, this weekend is Podcasticon. It is a convention put on by uh, a lot of good friends of ours, including uh, Richard Ewell, who does the um, Nerdy Nerdy Laser podcast. Yeah, that used to be on the ESO uh, network. And uh, this starts, uh, actually, it starts on Friday. And there's just a lot of pre-programmed panels that are they're going to be released. Uh, featuring a lot of, like I said, good friends of ours. Um, Ryan Cadaver from the Casket Creatures, uh, John Morgan Neal, Jerry Chandler, Joe Crow, um, uh, the award-winning author Bobby Nash, uh, the Spooky Dudes, uh, Fistful of Action podcast, et cetera, et cetera. Tons of tons of podcasters are all getting together and supplying, uh, uh, having panels virtually that they've done uh, that are going to air. And... For ESO listeners, especially if you like the movie crew, because you're listening to this episode, there's a treat for you because the movie crew, Mike, myself, uh, Ashley, and Alex, will be on a panel and will be reviewing the movies of 2020. Yes, it's a 10-minute panel. No, um, it's it's it was a fun panel to do to talk about the challenges of movies uh, that movies had this year, as well as some of the successes and, you know, some of the, some of the failures. So, um, so uh, definitely look for that. The, the exact schedule of when we are going to, our panel is going to be out there is not been revealed yet. So check out the uh, podcasticon page on Facebook and we'll have a link in the show notes. And uh uh, starting at the all the programs start at 5 p.m. Our programming starts at 5 p.m. on Friday, January 1st, and it goes till January 3rd at 3 p.m. Eastern. So uh, there's going to be programming, I think, nonstop from Friday through Sunday. And uh, like I said, Mike and I, uh, Alex and Ashley, will be bringing uh, the ESO movie crew to that convention uh, sometime that weekend. So look for us. I think. The panels are also going to be there um, all weekend, including and afterwards. 
across, uh, I think they have a YouTube channel, but I'm not sure the details. So once again, just uh, go to the website to find out more information. And as we get more information, we'll relay it to you, um, certainly in our Facebook page and and that kind of thing. So so we're very excited to be participating in pod, podcast, podcast-a-thon. Wow, that's not even easy to say. Um, but uh, then the next convention that we're going to be participating in this weekend. If you guys listened uh, last week, you would have heard us talking to Pops Van Zant about CromCon. Now this is CromCon 10. Uh, Pops and his crew have been putting them on all uh, the first weekend of every month uh, for 2020 through the pandemic. And that's going to continue into the next year. Uh, this is three days of programming, mainly comic related involving interviews with comic creators, interviews with established creators, indie creators, and podcasters, and other uh, folks as well. Uh, Mike and I are scheduled to appear uh, as part of the Earth Station One crew on Sunday, January 3rd at 2.30 p.m. And this is uh, on YouTube. They've got their own YouTube channel as well. Uh, we'll have a link to all of that in the show notes, so you can check it out. If not, just look for Crom, C-R-O-M, Con, C-O-N, and then X, and uh, you should get all the information that way. Uh, some other folks are going to be there, including the person that was in the geek, geek seat, Oscar Ramo. He's going to be there on Saturday. So if you want to hear Oscar talk more about his book, uh, you can see, and you'll actually be able to see all these people, because it's actually going to be a video um, uh, panels. So you'll be able to watch everybody. So if you've ever wondered what we look like or you wondered what Oscar looks like or any of your fellow camera creators, uh, you can check them out all on that channel. So, yeah, so we'll be participating on uh, two pa- two conventions this weekend. And uh, we've got a few more scheduled uh, that are actually are in the beginning stages of being scheduled for the rest of the year. So listen to the space. Yes, the con report is back because we will be doing conventions in 2021. They'll just be virtually. And you know what? Whether they're virtual or whether they're in person, we love doing conventions. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We are done for the year. And I want to thank our movie folks for being here. It is always great to have these two folks with us. Alex, thank you so, so much, my friend. Especially since it's been such a tough movie year. Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw like four new movies this year. <laughs> That's, it's sad. But thank you. It's always a always a real pleasure getting the chance to, to talk with you guys uh, and be a part of this. Um, this is honestly uh, four of the best uh, in the business, and I'm not ashamed to say it. Anything you want to shout out about, my friend? Yeah, I'm going to steal it. You knew I would. Um, oh, I know. Bastard. Yeah. <laughs> um, Christmas Day, uh, upon uh, before seeing Wonder Woman 84, I actually sat down and watched Pixar's new movie, Soul. And um, I highly recommend it. I think it's one of Pixar's best movies in decade, easily. Mm-hmm. Um, it is done by Peter Doctor, who did uh, Inside Out, Up, and uh, several others. So um, I, I just I, I can't recommend it enough. Musical score is uh, pretty unique. Uh, John Bapt- John Batiste um, from Colbert's show uh, does the jazz portion. The ethereal side of the score is actually done by Trent Reznor. 
um, mm-hmm. and uh, just an amazing cast. It's really well written. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's got a cool message too. So, um, it's on Disney's, uh, uh, streaming plan. I don't think it would have made, uh, the kind of money that, that some of their others have made in the past. So being streaming is probably the best thing for it. But that being said, it's a really good movie. Mm -hmm. I think this movie has the most heart in it since up for me from other Pixar. And, and he did that one too. I know. Which so, makes it yeah. even more equal. Yeah, that was going to be my shout out. So, but yeah, I agree completely I, with you. Yeah. And you, you and I were going back and forth earlier today about it. Yeah, yeah. It it is wonderful if you get a chance, folks. Soul is amazing. Jamie Fox and Tina Fey are awesome, and the the chemistry between the two of them is really well done. And there's some other great voice actors in this one, which I don't want to surprise. You know, I don't want to ruin it because there's some pretty nice surprises in there too and ashley thank you thank you oh thank you it is always a pleasure anything you want to shout out about from bed yes <laughs> i wanted to give a uh, shout out um to my goal this year is to try out some new streaming services and when i was sick in quarantine i signed up for a new streaming service called BritBox, which i've been having a lot of fun with and mm-hmm. highly recommend has a lot of different period dramas i believe classic doctor who and it's just a nice some nice feel-good cozy stuff to watch so it's i it's not too expensive to sign up for a month and so if you're looking for some new fun streaming services to check out, I highly recommend that one. So I'm thankful to it for keeping me entertained while I'm stuck here at home. Mm-hmm. It's the only way in the U.S. To, right now to be able to see the newest season of Red Dwarf. Mm. So it's pretty awesome. Um, it's BritBox is a lot of fun, and you're going to find tons of stuff that you didn't even know exists. Or you go, wait a minute, is this the British version of the American show? But you know, so it's it is a lot of fun. I think definitely, folks, if you get a chance, especially with the cold winter ahead of us mm-hmm. still, there, and we're going to be quarantined for a while still. Please, you know, BritBox is definitely one of the one of the better ones out there. And I wasn't even going to touch on the Doctor Who because that's a given. Come on. You know. <laughs> All right, Mr. Mike, we made it through another one, my friend. We did, and as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? I do. I want to give a shout out to uh, another podcast here on the ESO Network, Earth Station DCU. I had the privilege of joining uh, Cletus and Drew to talk uh, all about, guess what, Wonder Woman 1984. So if you want to hear me prattle on more about it, but you can also hear a couple of other friends of the station, uh, Kevin Eldridge from the Flap cast appears on it and the geek girl herself uh angela pritchard is on it as well so uh the five of us uh talk about our thoughts and experiences watching the new wonder woman and it was a lot of fun so check that out it's um gonna be episode 220 221 i'm not really sure what the number is but uh we'll have a link to the earth station dcu um page on our show notes so you can just check it out when it's released which i think will be in the next week or so excellent Excellent, excellent. Yep, DCU and, gosh, another spinoff of our podcast. So, you know, it's pretty amazing. You know, Drew and Cletus have been doing a great job. And if for any fan of the DCU, and I think there's going to be more and more fans of it, especially with what HBO Max just announced today, 
that they're going to be doing what f- four movies a year now for DC that they're announcing two on HBO Max Direct and two at the theater. So it's going to be pretty cool. They've got two Batman movies in the works. I know we've talked about one or two, one of them before. With the you know with a glowing vampire as the bat, so it's pretty cool. Launched so out of the pod. It should be it would be interesting to see what happens <clears> there. <throat> so my shout out real quick. Uh, I've been exploring a lot of audios lately. You know, working from home and you know listening to podcasts is a given. But I've been also listening to some audio books, and I've actually been listening recently to Neil Gaiman's Sandman, which is an amazing tale. Uh, They basically do, I think, the first 20 issues in this tale. It's over 10, I think it's over 11 hours worth of audio that they do, and it's a full cast. It's just not Neil Gaiman there reading the uh, books to you. This is a full cast adventure, and it is, folks, I couldn't even begin to tell you the cast, you know, of who's playing who, but, you know, James McAvoy, I think, is playing Sandman, and um, Kat Denning is playing Death, and it Neil Gaiman is going to is being the narrator, and it is amazing. Um, it was a, it's a lot of fun. I'm probably over halfway done it, and it's a great way to spend your days listening to these books, especially if you've read the comics or the trades. They're up to Dollhouse already right now, and it is a lot of fun to just be part of it and relive the pictures in your mind because you see it in your head and such. So it's cool. Check it out. It's actually one of the free ones. If you do Audible for the first month, you get two free books. So definitely check that out. And, you know, Sandman, it's really worth it. And speaking of really worth it, we're saying bye-bye to 2020. Good riddance. Kicking it out of the airlock. So we are saying farewell, 2020. Hello, 2021, you beautiful beast. And hopefully you'll be much more gentle to us than 2020 was. That's what we're hoping, at least. And next week, we are going to be putting 2020, before it's completely gone, into the geek seat. That's right. And boy, you know, if any year needs to be put into the geek seat and not let go... This this year has to be it. I think it's going to be perfect to get rid of it. So we definitely would love to hear from you guys. Your thoughts, the Geek Seat 2020 for us, and what you guys will think would be your 2020 moments. You know, Mike, we should actually put the questions up on the ESO Facebook group and, you know, have people write us in. It's a good idea. If you, if you want... Um, please look for it up on Facebook. We'll actually have the questions that we're going to be asking next week um, about 2020. And we want to hear from you. Please write us feedback at earthstation1.com and we'll read your answers up on the air. I think it'd be kind of cool. And of course, as always, thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find them at www.nsclivetv.com. Remember, you can find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now Amazon Music. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. Yeah, we're not too proud to beg. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Michael Gordon, Ashley Pauls, Alex Autry, and Oscar, I think, is still over in the geek seat right now. So, oh, he's trapped. I think, he's not getting out of that for a while. 
Oh, no, definitely not. But thanks again for listening. We will see you here next time on Earth Station One. I hope you, everybody out there has a happy new year. I hope 2021 is going to be great for all of us. Stay safe. Hug your loved ones. Peace. And we will see you next year. And we're done. Boom. You've been listening to the Earth Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.